0: The crybaby cure. Mrs. Foxglove was baking brownies—thick, chewy, chocolatey, nutty brownies—the kind her four children loved. She slid the last pan into the oven, lifted Solomon the black cat down off the kitchen stool, where he was drooling up at Alma Gluck the canary, and sat down herself. It was a very dreary February day. The sky was gray. The snow in the yard was gray and slushy, and a raw, cold wind was swooshing around the house. Mrs. Foxglove hoped that her children had not left their galoshes on the school bus, and had remembered to put on their mittens. She was especially worried about Melody, whose eyes and nose always seemed to be so red and chapped. She sighed and stroked Solomon, who had jumped into her lap. Then she pushed him off onto the floor and opened the oven door. The brownies were baking beautifully. She switched the bottom pans to the top shelf, and the top pans to the bottom shelf, then closed the door and put the milk onto heat for the children's cocoa. <clears throat> she was just stirring in the cocoa, when from way down the street, she heard a noise like a fire siren. Ooh, wee, bah, went the noise getting louder and closer. Mrs. Foxglove sighed and opened the back door. Cornell, her oldest boy, who was 11, came dashing up the back steps, gave his mother a hug and said, I smell brownies. Zowie. Harvard, who was nine, stamped the snow off his galoshes and said, Another hundred in spelling, Mom. How many brownies can I have? Emmy, who was six, said, I lost another tooth today, but I can chew brownies. How many can I have? Melody, who was eight, came shuffling up the walk, her mouth so wide open her mother could almost see her stomach. Mother, she bawled. The kids are teasing me. Mrs. Foxglove said, hurry up, Melody. I want to shut the door before the house gets cold. I can't hurry, Melody sobbed as she wiped her red nose on her sleeve. I fell down and my knee hurt so I can hardly walk. All right then, said her mother. I'll shut the door and you can take as long as you like. She closed the door. Instantly, a wail like a dying hyena filled the air. Melody came charging up the back steps and threw herself against the back door yelling, Let me in, I'm freezing! Mrs. Foxglove opened the door, and Melody, who had been leaning heavily against it, fell into the kitchen. Emmy and Harvard and Cornell, who were sitting on the floor taking off their galoshes, laughed uproariously. Melody lay stretched out on the floor like a squashed spider bawling. Mrs. Foxglove pushed her aside a little with her foot and shut the door. Immediately, Melody screamed. You kicked me. My own mother kicked me, Mrs. Foxglove said. Melody, dear, I only pushed you a little with my foot so I could close the door. Solomon walked over and licked her ear with his rough little tongue. Ouch, she screeched. Solomon scratched me right here on my ear. He did not, Emmy said. He just licked your ear, you old ball baby. My ear its bleeding, Melody snuffled. I'll probably get rabies. Gee, Mom, isn't she awful, said Cornell. She's the biggest baby in the whole school. Nobody likes her. They do so, said Melody, sitting up and wiping her eyes with her mittens. Ah, oh, they do not, said Harvard. They call you Old Wet Washrag Foxglove. That's what you call me, said Melody. Did you hear that, Bobby? He calls me Old Wet wash, rag Foxglove all the time. She began to cry again. Mrs. Foxglove said, Oh my goodness, I smell the brownies. Out of my way, everybody. Pick up your things and take them into the coat closet. The children gathered up their galoshes and coats and mittens and caps and hurried out of the kitchen. All but Melody, who was lying on her back on the floor, her mitten hands scrunched into her eyes, crying. Mrs. Foxglove opened the oven door, pulled out a pan of brownies, and poked a broom straw down into it. The brownies came out clean, and so she knew they were done. The cocoa was almost boiling, so she took it off the burner and set it aside. She was setting out the cups when she noticed Melody. She said, come on, chickabiddy, stop that snuffling and take off your things. The brownies are all done. Melody hiccuped several times, but didn't move. Mrs. Foxglove reached down, took hold of her arms, and lifted her to her feet. Melody bellowed, ouch, ouch, you're hurting me. Her mother gave her a little shake. I am not hurting you, and I am good and tired of your being such a big crybaby. She took Melody by the shoulders, turned her in the direction of the front hall, and gave her a little push. Melody crumpled into a soggy ball and began to sob hysterically. You're so mean, I can't stand it. You shake me and jerk me and push me. Oh, go up to your room and stay there until you can be cheerful, said Mrs. Foxglove crossly. Now scat. Snuffing and glupping, Melody went. Only she didn't scat. She shuffled, very slowly. Mother watched until she reached the doorway, then, sighing with exasperation, went back and began pouring the cocoa. Emmy came skipping into the kitchen. She hugged her mother around the knees and said, You're the best mommy in the whole world. Can I have thick brownies? The mother bent down and kissed her on top of her head and said, Let's start with one. Then Harvard and Cornell came in with Highboy the dog, and for a while Mrs. Foxglove was so busy that she didn't have time to think about Melody. Then the telephone rang, and it was Mrs. Popsicle, and she wanted to know if Emmy and Melody and Cornell and Harvard could all come to her twins, Trent and Dansey's birthday party next Saturday. Mrs. Foxglove said certainly they would love it, and Mrs. Popsicle said they were to wear play clothes and come at eleven, because Mr. Popsicle was going to take them to Playland and then to a movie. As soon as Mrs. Foxglove hung up the phone, the children, all sounding like owls, began hooing and wetting and wetting. And when Mrs. Foxglove told them that it was a birthday party on Saturday, which was only the day after tomorrow, and that they were going to playland and a movie, the boys whistled through their teeth and said, zowie and hot diggity. And Emmy said, I'm going upstairs right now and get Bruno all dressed up. Oh, Mom, Cornell said, don't let her take that dumb old teddy bear. All his stuffing's hanging out. Emmy said, I take Bruno every place I go, Mr. Cornell, and he can't help it because his stuffing is coming out so there. Harvard said, Oh, so there yourself. Quickly, Mrs. Foxglove said, Boys, I want you to go down and finish up that play table you are making me. But remember, put all of Dad's tools away when you finish. I will, said Harvard. I always do. "'It's old Cornell that leaves stuff out.' "'Oh, yeah,' Cornell said. "'What about the hammer you left over at Fetlock Haraway's?' "'Come, boy,' said Mrs. Foxlove. "'You'd better get started. It's almost 4.30.' "'When the cellar door had closed behind the boys, "'Mrs. Foxlove turned to Emmy and said, "Emmy, dear, if you'll run upstairs and get Bruno, "'I'll sew his stuffing back in. "'And while I'm doing that, "'perhaps you would like to wash and iron his clothes.' Mm -hmm. After Emmy had gone upstairs, Mrs. Foxglove was scrubbing out the cocoa pan when she heard somebody sniffing behind her. She turned to find Melody, her eyes swollen to tiny slits, her nose as red as a radish, her cheeks blotchy, her lips dry and cracked, standing in the doorway. Melody said, or rather choked out, "'I notice you're washing the cocoa pad, but I didn't get Eddie. I suppose the browdies are all gone, too.' "'Your cup of cocoa is right there on the breakfast table,' said her mother cheerfully. "'And there are lots and lots of brownies in the cookie jar. "'However, you can't have anything until you wash your face and cheer up.' "'I don't think I want anything anyway,' Melody said sadly and went back upstairs. "'Mrs. Foxglove groaned. "'What was she going to do with Melody? "'What was the matter with her? "'Perhaps she had better call Dr. Pillsbury.' She went in the back hall and dialed Dr. Pillsbury's number. His nurse answered and said he was busy but would call her back in a few minutes. Emmy came in. From one hand, she was dragging Bruno by one leg. From the other, a laundry bag of his dirty clothes. Mrs. Foxglove sent her upstairs for her work basket, and then the phone rang. It was Dr. Pillsbury. When he heard about Melody, said that he would stop by on his way home. Bruno was all mended with new black shiny shoe button eyes and Mrs. Foxglove was ironing his best blue and white checked rompers and the boys were sanding the table with the electric sander when Mr. when Dr. Pillsbury arrived. He said what a busy happy family. Do you happen to have a cup of hot coffee Martha? Made it especially for you said Mrs. Foxglove handing Emmy the rompers and turning off the iron. Take Bruno and his clothes upstairs and tell Melody to come down. As she poured Dr. Pillsbury's coffee and put some brownies on a plate, he said, Tim, I'm awfully worried about Melody. She cries all the time over everything. Do you think it could be rheumatic fever? Does she have a fever, asked Dr. Pillsbury, taking two brownies. No, she doesn't, said Mrs. Foxglove. In fact, she seems very well, but she is so sad. Everything makes her cry. "'She cries so much, and her face is so red and swollen all the time. "'She looks as if she's been stung by a million bees.' "'Dr. Pillsbury slowly stirred his coffee and said, "'If I can find nothing wrong with Melody physically, "'then I would suggest that you call Mrs. Pigglewiggle.' "'Will she know what to do?' Mrs. Foxglove asked. "'She certainly will,' said Dr. Pillsbury. "'She knows more about children than anybody in this town.' Well, I know she cured Cornell's table manners, and she stopped Emmy's tattling. But I didn't dream she could do anything about crying. I bet she can, said Dr. Pillsbury. My goodness, Martha, these brownies are so good it's criminal. I want you to make me a solemn pledge. You won't give Eunice the recipe. I'm much too fat as it is. Mrs. Foxglove laughed and looked very happy. Then Melody came shuffling and snuffling downstairs. By this time, her face was a sort of purple plum color. Her nose was like a ripe strawberry, and her mother couldn't see her eyes at all. Dr. Pillsbury said, Come here so I can see how heavy you are. Slowly, slowly, hiccuping with every step, Melody walked over to him. He lifted her up and sat her on his knee. Then he said, Wow, you're quite a little chunk for eight years old. Stick out your tongue. Dr. Pillsbury looked at her tongue looked down her throat, looked in her ears, listened to her lungs and heart, poked at her stomach and took her temperature. When he had finished, he said, Sound as a nut except for a very advanced case of acute eight-year-old saditis. Better call Mrs. Pigglewiggle before a certain party's tear ducks wear out. After Dr. Pillsbury had gone, Mrs. Foxglove sent Melody and Emmy next door to Mrs. Rocket's house to borrow an onion. Well, she called Mrs. Pigglewiggle. Mrs. Piggle Wiggle laughed when she heard about Melody and said, Oh, I've the most wonderful cure for crybaby-itis. It's a tonic that tastes delicious, sort of like vanilla ice cream with caramel sauce, and it works very quickly. In fact, if you would send Harvard and Cornell over for it right now, I think we could have Melody cured before Trent and Tansy Popsicle's birthday party Saturday. Oh, do you think so? asked Mrs. Foxglove, almost crying herself she was so happy. Certainly do, said Mrs. Pigglewiggle. Tell the boys I sent in and got those new super-secret outer-space other-hemisphere ten-way wrist communicators they wanted. That will make them hurry. Oh, thank you, thank you, dear Mrs. Pigglewiggle, said Mrs. Foxglove. Tell the boys to hurry, said Mrs. Pigglewiggle. It's getting dark and the streets are slippery. When Mrs. Foxglove called to Harvard and Cornell and told them she wanted them to run an errand for her, they groaned and said, way over there, golly. And my gosh, just when we were busy sanding this old table. Why can't somebody else in this family ever run any errands? Then she told them about the super secret outer space other hemisphere 10-way wrist communicators, and they were upstairs jamming on their galoshes and coats in two seconds. Then Melody and Emmy came back from Mrs. Rockets with the onion, and Melody was bawling because she'd gotten slush in her galoshes. Mrs. Rocket's dog had jumped on her, and it was too cold outside, and her eyes hurt. Mrs. Foxglove helped her off with her coat and took her upstairs and put cold cloths on her eyes. The cloths weren't very cold, but Melody screamed in pain each time her mother touched her, until Mrs. Foxglove finally said, I declare, you must like to look like a stewed tomato. Emmy laughed, but Melody immediately began to cry. Mrs. Foxglove sent her to her room to stay until dinner was ready. When Mr. Foxglove came home, he was very cheerful, especially when he found that Mrs. Foxglove had chicken and dumplings for dinner. Then Melody came sobbing downstairs to report that somebody had used her toothbrush. She could tell because it was wet. Her daddy said, Are you sure it isn't just wet with tears? Melody said, After all, daddy, I don't brush eyes with my toothbrush. Very logical," he said, putting his arm around her. But of late, you have been as soggy as a bath sponge, and dampness rubs off. See? He held her off so she could see the big wet spot on his jacket where her head had rested. In fact, he said as he rubbed the spot, you are one of the juiciest children I have ever cuddled. Melody began to bawl, opening her mouth wide and scrubbing at her eyes. Mr. Foxglove handed her his handkerchief and said, Come on now, Missy, that was only a joke and you know it. Dry those eyes or the place where they used to be. And let's have dinner. Where are the boys? They'll be here in a minute, Juniper. In fact, I hear them now, said Mrs. Foxglove. Cornell and Harvard burst in the back door, their cheeks crimson from the cold, their eyes dancing with excitement. Thrusting their wrists at their mother, they said, Mom, just look what Mrs. Piggawiggle sent away and got for us. Super secret outer space, other hemisphere, 10-way wrist communicators. Aren't they keen? Look at all the signs of the zodiac and the dials. Mrs. Fox Club looked at the S-S-O-S-O-H-T-W-W-C and said, Now, for heaven's sakes, be very careful how you use those things. I don't want to be deluged with people from another planet. Oh, don't worry, Mom, Harvard said. We got all the directions right here in this little book. "'Didn't Mrs. Wiggle give you something else?' asked Mrs. Foxclub. "'Oh, yeah. She gave us this little bottle,' Cornell said as he rummaged through the pockets of his jacket, taking out nails, string, four peanuts, two rocks with gold in them, a note to his mother telling her about a PTA meeting that happened two weeks ago, and to which she had gone anyway, several nuts and bolts, two gray licorice drops, and finally, a small bottle wrapped in brown paper.' After she had sent the boys to wash up, Mrs. Foxglove carefully unwrapped the bottle. It was labeled, Cry Baby Tonic, one teaspoonful as needed. Mrs. Foxglove pulled out the cork and smelled it. It smelled delicious. She called Melody, who was standing in the front hall, dabbing at her streaming eyes with her father's handkerchief, to come out to the kitchen. She poured the tonic into a rather large teaspoon, and very briskly told Melody, who was leaning mourningful against the stove, to open her mouth. Melody began to cry. I don't want to take any bad-tasting medicine, she sobbed. I'm not sick. This isn't bad-tasting, it's delicious, said her mother, taking advantage of her open mouth to force the spoon in. Melody gulped down the medicine and then said, It's good. I like it. Could I have some more? Not now, said her mother. Perhaps another teaspoon before you go to bed. Now help me carry in the salad plates. The first thing Mrs. Foxglove noticed about the effect of the crybaby tonic was that all the redness and swelling disappeared from Melody's face. She's probably cured already, thought her mother happily. The chicken and dumplings were delicious. Everybody was having a very good time until Cornell, who sat next to Melody, sneaked a chicken bone down to Highboy. Who was never supposed to be fed at the table, but was usually lying under it ready in case somebody should spill. Anyway, in reaching for the bone, Highboy put one paw on Cornell's jean, which was covered with jeans, and the other on Melody's knee, which was bare. Highboy didn't mean any harm, but dogs do have toenails, and he may have scratched her a little, but certainly not enough to warrant the banshee howl she let out. Ow-wee, ow-wee, she wailed then the strangest things, ha- strangest thing happened. Out of her eyes gushed two regular faucets of tears. They filled her dinner plate with water, soaked her table mat, soaked her napkin, made a little lake in her lap, poured down her legs and filled her shoes. In fact, in no time at all, there was a huge puddle under her chair. My gosh, mom, look at old Melody, said Cornell, his eyes as big as dollars. Mom, dad, Quick, stop her, said Harvard, as Melody's gushing tears ran across the table and into his lap. Melody, you big dummy, said Emmy. You cried all over Bruno's clean rompers. Mrs. Foxglove said, Juniper, do something quick. Water's clear over here under my chair. Mrs. Mr. Foxglove yelled at Melody, who was now soaking wet from head to toe. Stop crying. Close your mouth. Smile. Melody did, and the tears stopped. Everybody stared at her in wonder. I've never seen so many tears in my whole life, her father said. How in the world did you do it? I don't know, Melody said. I just started to cry and the tears came out. I'm going to rent you out to water lawns, her daddy said. Salt water kills grass, Cornell said. Mrs. Foxglove said, instead of talking nonsense, let's all get busy and wipe up this water. After everything had been wiped off and dried out as much as possible, Melody went upstairs and changed into her pajamas and bedroom slippers, and her mother gave her another plate of dinner. The rest of the meal was devoted to talking about Melody's new amazing achievement. By the time it was over, she began to feel very important. In fact, she didn't see any reason why... ...any reason why such a remarkable remarkable child should help with the dishes. Harvard said, listen, wet wash rag, it's your turn to do the pots and pans. Melody said, don't you dare call me wet wash rag, Harvard Fox Club, or I'll tell daddy that you broke Mr. Maxwell's greenhouse. Cornell said, if you tell on Harvard, Melody, I won't take you to the roller coaster with me next Saturday when we go to Trent and Tansy's party. What party, asked Melody. The party Mrs. Popsicle is giving for Trent and Tansy's birthday. And Mr. Popsicle is taking us all to Playland and to a movie show, Emmy said. And it is your turn for the pots and pans, Melody. You know it is. It's right on the chart. Oh, all right, said Melody. Everything was going very well until Harvard and Cornell started dueling with two big spoons. And in jumping around Cornell, stepped hard on Melody's toe. She opened her mouth like a yawning hippopotamus and began to bawl. Instantly, two faucets of tears gushed out of her eyes and soaked her pajamas, bedroom slippers, Emmy's dish towel, and Solomon, who was rubbing against her legs. Help, help, Daddy, make her stop, yelled the boys. Smile, shouted Emmy. Ooh, she wailed, and the tears poured out faster, and pretty soon the kitchen floor was covered with water. Then Mr. Foxglove came striding out and pushed Melody over to the sink and held her there so her tears would go down the drain. He told Melody to stay there by the sink until she decided to stop crying. She wailed. But I'm ball wet! I'll catch Debodia and die! That is your problem, said her father coldly. You can either stop crying, smile, stop the tears, and change into dry things, or you can spend the rest of the night standing there at the sink. Mr. and Mrs. Foxglove were playing Scrabble, Emmy was asleep, Harvard and Cornell were supposed to be doing their homework, when Melody finally stopped crying and sloshed upstairs to change into dry pajamas and slippers. When she finally came down to say goodnight, her mother took hold of her chin, looked at her anxiously and said, Do you feel all right, dear? Melody smiled rather sheepishly and said, I feel kind of cold, but not a bit sick. Her mother kissed her and told her to go down into the guest room and get Grandmother Dawson's down quilt. Mr. Foxglove kissed her and said, For heaven's sake, don't cry in your sleep, you'll drown. Melody slept well, and the next morning when she awakened, she felt very happy, especially when she remembered that the next day was the birthday party, and the next day after that was Sunday, and Pergola Wingsproggle was going to give her a yellow kitten also. The sun was shining. Also, that tonic her mother gave her before breakfast was so delicious. Everybody was cheerful at breakfast, and Mrs. Foxglove told the children that she would drive them to school and would drive Daddy to work as she had to have the car. All the children were smiling when they got out of the car at school, and Mrs. Rexel, the principal, said to old Joe, the janitor, I'm delighted to see that little Melody Foxglove has at last cheered up. Melody was very cheerful all morning, and she got 100 in spelling, and an A on her story about my kitten. Then came lunchtime. She and Emmy and Kitty Wheeling and Susan Gray and Sally Franklin were all sitting together at a table giggling and whispering, and having fun when Benji Franklin, who was a great tease, leaned over from the table where he was sitting and grabbed Melody's gingerbread. Without even thinking about the night before, Melody opened her mouth and began to cry. Immediately the tears poured out. They filled up her soup bowl, soaked her peanut butter and jelly sandwich, soaked Emmy's sandwich, filled her lap with water, poured onto the table, and made a river that flowed into Kitty Wheeling's gingerbread and then into her lap. The children all began to yell Look at Melody! Look out for the tears! Move over, I'm getting wet! Help a flood! Call the fire department! and other silly things. Melody got up and ran sobbing out of the lunchroom, down the hall, and out into the play court, which was empty. There was nobody there because they were all inside eating lunch. Melody stood right in the middle of the court and cried and cried and cried and cried. cried. She cried because she was wet. She cried because Benji took her gingerbread. She cried because she was alone. But mostly she cried because it was her habit to open her mouth and bellow when any tiny thing didn't suit her. Well, she cried and cried and cried, and pretty soon the whole courtyard was flooded, and the water was up past her ankles. She didn't care. She hated everybody and everything in the whole world. She cried and cried and cried. Pretty soon the water was clear up to her waist, and lunchtime was almost over, and little Emmy was up in the schoolyard, which was mighty higher than the play court, calling down to her, "'Smile, Melody! Smile quick, or you'll be drownded!' Melody sobbed. "'I can't smile. I'm too sad.' Gallons and gallons, more tears rushed out. Then Kitty Wheeling called down. "'Melody, quick! Stop crying. It's almost time for the bell.' "'I don't care,' cried Melody. "'I don't like school anyway.' The tears were almost up to her chest now. Then Pergola sprogle, and Emmy and Kitty and Sally and Susan and Mrs. Rexall began whispering. And pretty soon, Pergola disappeared. Melody kept crying. The tears were almost up to her chin. And then Pergola called out to her, Melody, quick, look what I've brought you. Melody looked, and Pergola was holding up a darling little orange kitten. A kitten? A kitten of my very own? Melody said, and she stopped crying and smiled. The tears stopped. Slowly, she made her way across the play court. Once she tripped and had to swim doggy paddle. When she finally got out, Pergola showed her the kitten, which she couldn't hold because she was too wet. It was adorable with long, soft hair and big, round blue eyes. She said, Oh, Pergola, thank you, thank you. It's adorable. Mrs. Rexall said, Here, I'll carry it for you, Melody. Now come with me to the teacher's room. I'll dry you off and old Joe can dry your clothes down by the furnace. The rest of you children can skip along to class. After she had taken off her wet clothes, Mrs. Rexel dried her off with a towel and wrapped her in a blanket. Then she handed her kitten and told her to lie there on the couch until her clothes were dry. The kitten curled up inside Melody's arms, and the blanket was soft and warm, and pretty soon they were both asleep. She woke when Mrs. Rexel came in with her clothes all wrinkly but dry, and then there was Mommy to drive the children home, and school was over. That night, when Melody kissed her Mommy and Daddy goodnight, she said, I'm never going to cry again, no matter what happens. Not ever. And she never did. And at Trent and Tansy's Popsicles birthday party, Melody and Betsy Wilt were in the Ferris wheel, and something happened to the motor, and the Ferris wheel stopped and wouldn't start. And they were right on the very top. Both the little girls were awfully scared. But when Betsy began to cry, Melody said, Crying never helped anything, Betsy, as long as we're so high up. Let's see if we can see our houses. Look, way over there, past the sawmill chimney, and right up beside behind the school, isn't that your house? Betsy wiped her eyes on her sleeve and looked where Melody was pointing, and sure enough, it did look like her house. Then she noticed that she could see a little Willow Lake. Then she saw the building where her father worked. Then they both saw. Then they both thought they saw Melody's house. I think I see my kitten Butterball asleep on the garage roof. Melody said. Just then, the Ferris wheel started. When they got off, Mr. Popsicle was waiting for them. He said, What? No tears? By George, such bravery deserves an ice cream soda. What flavor will it be, ladies? I'll take chocolate with chocolate ice cream, Melody said. Me too, said Betsy. I've already had strawberry and vanilla. While they were eating their sodas, Mr. Popsicle said, I thought girls always cried when they were scared. I did cry, Betsy said. But Melody said that crying never helped anything. It doesn't either, Melody said. I know, because I used to cry a lot when I was littler.